we've been in a series where we've been talking about experiencing the presence of Jesus. I want to experience the presence of Jesus daily. I don't want to go one day without it. And we've been, uh, how do we experience the presence of the Lord daily in our hearts? How do we maintain and, and have that loving connection with the Lord? The key word here is experience. Because in reality, the newborn reality of the, of the believer is that we are already connected to him. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the moment that happens, God works a miracle on the inside of you, a miracle in your spirit. And your spirit is the same nature. It speaks the same language as the Lord. It says this in uh, 1 Corinthians six seventeen: The one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. What a beautiful picture we have with the Lord, that we are literally mingled into one spirit with the Lord. We're woven together. We're, we're welded together. But here's the question we've been addressing. If this is the newborn reality that we have in Christ, why are there days or seasons where we don't seem to feel him? We don't seem to experience his presence. We've, so we've been talking about this. Are there things that we can do to bring us back into experiential relationship with the Lord, okay? I believe the answer to that question is yes, and we've been talking about that the last few weeks. I don't believe it's just random luck that like, oh, today I feel close to God, and this day I don't. I don't believe it's just random luck. I believe there's some intentionality, and there's a way that we need to posture ourselves so that God, so we experience the presence of the Lord daily. Um, A good example of this that I would think of is uh, marriage. Legally, I've been married to my wife for 17 years. We just celebrated our 17-year anniversary recently. Uh, we've been married for that long. Legally, we've been, we have a contract and we're under a covenant, right? We're under, we, we came into covenant together and we're legally to, um, connected. However, we haven't always experienced just this amazing loving connection for 17 years, right? There are times of up and downs. Well, what do you have to do to have a good marriage? This is a good way to have a good marriage. This sermon's about the presence of God, but I'm going to give you something for marriage. You have to make more deposits than you do withdrawals. This is the same thing with your checking account, right? <laughs> Unlike the federal government, you and I and the church have to stay in the plus category. How do we do that? We make more deposits than we do withdrawals. Same thing with marriage. If you make more deposits and investments in the person that you're married to, um, because we all make withdrawals. You have to make withdrawals. We, we have various needs and different things. But you don't want to be only making withdrawals on that person, okay? It's similar with our relationship with the Lord. When we, when we take that time to invest in our relationship with the Lord, it can be the most beautiful, life-giving thing you've ever done in your entire life. And so we've been talking about practical keys to walk with the Lord. Okay, the first thing that we talked about in this series is that you need to identify with your new nature. What is your new nature? Your new nature is this. It is one that is identified with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It says this in Romans 6, 3 through 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as, everyone say just as, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may 
uh, live a new life, okay? Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. As we identify with his death burial, the inevitable thing we get to connect with and manifest is the resurrection, the resurrection life of Jesus. That's that new life that it's talking about. I've said this a few times in the series, but um, the other side of the same coin of the crucified life is the resurrected life, okay? Christians are called to live the crucified life. And I just want to say, if you're not enjoying your relationship with the Lord, if you're not getting the most out of it, perhaps it can be that you haven't realized that Christians are supposed to lay their lives down to follow him. Yes, you can receive this free gift of salvation that we talk about all the time, but if you really want the life flow of Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus flowing through you, what do we have to do? We have to lay down our way to take up his way. Amen? Now, that's easier said than done. When you got saved, God did a miracle inside of your spirit But God did not forever remove the potential for us to be carnal Christians, to be selfish, carnal Christians who hurt one another, right? If you didn't get saved, he didn't forever remove the capacity to sin, okay? Um, So the process of walking with the Lord is a process of laying down our way for his way, okay? Uh, Another thing, talk about marriage a little more today. Another thing is when we do premarital counseling, my wife and I, when we do weddings, we do premarital counseling, One thing we talk about every time is like, okay, to the girl, you have a normal. To the guy, you have a normal. And your normals aren't always the same, okay? Listen, we were saying about the culture of heaven earlier. How many know Jesus has a normal? There's the culture of heaven, this culture of honor, this culture of worship. Jesus has a normal. How many know that our culture isn't necessarily heaven's culture, right? What do we have to do? We have to come under his culture. Ladies, when you get married, what do you, what do, you do? You, 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 you usually, typically, you take on the guy's name. What are you doing? You're, you're actually, the way you're identified is changing. This is the same thing it is with the Lord. When we give our lives to Jesus, we have to identify with him and not our old way, not our past anymore, okay? Jesus said this, Luke 9, 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, how many want to be Jesus' follower? I'm waiting for every hand. Okay. <laughs> Unless you don't, like, you don't want to be, okay. Um, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Okay, giving up our way for his way. This is how we follow Jesus. When we first came to the Lord, we came to him by laying down our lives to take up his life. But we also walk in the Lord and grow in the Lord by daily making choices to follow his lordship. Okay, and again, one of the reasons why we're not oftentimes don't experience the life-giving grace of God is because we haven't surrendered. We haven't come to a place of surrender often. Okay. Um, our spirit, our spirit, man, the part of you that's, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the part of you that is perfected forever. Literally, your spirit. When God sees your spirit, he sees your spirit like he sees Jesus' spirit perfected forever. This is, this is scriptural. I'm not making this up, okay? Um, however, your spirit is shrouded in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your soul is wrapped, or your body is wrapped around your soul. People who are dominated by the soul realm, their newborn spirit can't shine through that, won't manifest through that. We don't want to be Christians who are dominated by the soul. 
the soul is our mind, will, and emotions. We want to be dominated by the spirit man. We want that to shine out. So what do we have to do? Oftentimes we have to sow ourselves like we're sowing a seed, sow ourselves in, in death, in, the, in that seed that resurrection power can raise up through us. Okay? Um, now, taking up our own cross, giving up our way for his, um, it doesn't have to be difficult. Okay? Um, this isn't just for super Christians, like, oh, these are the committed ones. Unfortunately, many Christians don't live this way, but this doesn't have to just be for super Christians. In fact, it's not unreasonable to live this way. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. I beseech you, brethren, which is a, a nice way of saying urge. I, I liked it in the, the New King James Version. That's why I went with this version. I, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable. Everyone say reasonable. Your reasonable service. Listen, God's like, this isn't unreasonable. I gave, my, I gave everything for you. I came to this world, lived a perfect life, died to death on a cross so that you got my life. It's reasonable for me to ask you to follow me, to give up your way for my way, okay? In God's eyes, this is completely reasonable, okay, to follow him and lay down our lives. The word reasonable in the Greek, it means rational or logical. In fact, this Greek word, the root word of this is logos, which is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He is, he is the logic, the mouthpiece, the expression of God himself. Okay, but this word, it means reasonable, logical, rational. Logical because divinely reasonable, i.e., what is logical to God. Okay, so it might not seem logical to us, but it is logical in his eyes. Okay? And if it's logical in his eyes, it needs to become logical in our eyes. Amen? Okay? Logic working through the divine reasoning known, so we, this is how we know it, known through faith. This is how we come into that knowing about God's logic. We have to see it through eyes of faith. Okay? Is it reasonable to offer your body as a living sacrifice? Is it reasonable to deny yourself? Is it reasonable to give up your own way to follow his way? Well, no, unless you see it through eyes of faith. You see it through God's eyes. Again, remember, the other side of the same coin of the crucified life is the resurrected life. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to have the resurrected life. So it's not unreasonable. He's, he's like, I want to empower you. I want you to have the resurrected life. The other side of that coin of the crucified life is the resurrected life. God knows that when the soul breaks when that, the soul is sown in that soil, that the spirit man will shine, okay? And that's reasonable to him. That might seem hard to see that on the front end, but as we see it through eyes of faith, it becomes reasonable to us as well. But we have to see it through eyes of faith. I have an illustration, a video to illustrate what decisions of faith look like many times. So go ahead and roll that video.
Now, how many thought when he was standing there looking over, like, this seems pretty unreasonable right now. <laughs> this is beyond human reasoning that you would want to jump right here. This is what it's like for a lot of believers. It's like, give it my own way? I'm an American. We do things our way up in here. <laughs> Bigger, better, badder. I'm an American. My rights, my stuff, right? Okay. We're not good at giving up our own way to follow his way. But listen, it seems unreasonable as we jump as we jump forward into this, the crucified life, this is what I'm inviting you today, is into the followership of Jesus. You will see the resurrection power on the other side of that. Amen? Okay. So giving up your way for God's way, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. Okay? Now, one thing we talked about last week, I won't labor this too much, is that to put more meat on the bone, we talked about waiting on the Lord. One of the best ways I know to identify with our new nature is to wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 29-31 says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. I mean, that's good. Even youth shall uh, faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be faint. If you want strength, you have to wait on the Lord. Spirit, we're talking about spiritual strength here. Okay, we want to be spiritually strong in the Lord. In order to get to that place where the soul realm breaks so that the spirit man can shine through, many times we have to wait on the Lord. Where do we do this? Many times we do this, and one of the best ways to do this is in our quiet times. If your quiet time is always you talking and never quiet, I want to encourage you, take a moment, take a portion of your quiet time to just wait silently before the Lord. I was, I was talking with some people this week when I preached about that. They're like, it's so hard to just sit there and have nothing. No phone, no constant. We are really conditioned people to constantly have input into our eyes and ears. We are not conditioned. People these days are not conditioned to just be still before the Lord, to sit in a room alone and just connect with God. Um, so it's hard at first. It's very hard at first because you almost got to break this habit of like, Where's my phone? You know, I got to be looking at something. I got to be doing something. We're not good at just sitting still. But listen, try it for 15 minutes, just waiting before the Lord. If you can't do 15, do 10 minutes. If you can't do 10 minutes, do five minutes. But begin to break this habit of the constant need to always be looking at something or having something in your hand. Um, this year, I've started doing something different, and I don't, I don't sleep with my phone next to my bed. I put my phone, and it has my alarm clock on it. I put it in the closet, uh, not in the closet, the, uh, the bathroom, which is right off of our, our bedroom. And I'm telling you, I sleep better, <laughs> okay? We need to get these phones away from us, okay? We need times where, you know, my, my wife and I went on a date last week, and I was like, we left, and I was like, oh, I don't have my phone. I need my phone. And he's like, you know what? I don't want my phone. And it was really nice to get away from my phone for a minute. You guys need to do the same thing, okay? <clears throat> so, okay, let's... Let's put a little more to this message this week. Some people, many of us say that there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. However, I don't know that that statement in and of itself is 100% accurate. Do I have your attention now? Okay. <laughs> Why? Because a lot of religious people pray, and, and a lot of religions around would pray, but there's no power in it. Let me tell you where there's power. There is power in the presence of Jesus. Okay, because when the presence of Jesus comes, he anoints our prayers. He gives power to our prayers. Um, is there power in a song? 
Well, there's power in the song if the presence of God comes and ministers through that song, okay? So there's power in the presence of Jesus. This is one of the reasons why we have to wait on the Lord. You know, our worship as a church is, compared to most churches, our worship goes a little bit long. And actually, for a lot of people who are new to City Lights, it's like, wow, it's, I like it, but man, they hang out and worship a long time. Well, one of the things we're doing is waiting on the Lord because we want to cultivate an atmosphere where God's presence is because we know that's how you're going to be changed. That's how you're going to be transformed is through the presence of God. And when I preach, it's going to not fall on deaf ears. It's going to go into the soil of your heart, and the soil of your heart's going to be tilled up. Amen? Okay. So he comes and answers when our prayers are anointed. Psalm, uh, Psalm 80, verse 18 It says this, David said this, revive us and we will call on your name. Or the the King James Version says, quicken us and we will call on your name. Okay, we need the quickening. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get the quickening. (laughs) Okay, now to most people, this is backwards. They're like, Lord, I'm going to call on your name so that you'll revive me. I'm going to call on your name so that you'll sharpen my spirit. No, we have to many times wait on the Lord, let him quicken our hearts, sharpen our hearts so that we can effectively call upon his name. Okay, I want to talk a little bit today about practically how we can do this, okay? Um, I'm going to build a little more on that. I want to uh, give you a picture that will actually help some of you. Um, It says in in Colossians chapter 2, and Hebrews chapter 10, that the Old Testament um, and the, the law of Moses, uh, it serves as a um, type and a shadow of the realities that we find in Jesus now. Okay? In other words, people say it like this. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. Okay? So there's types and shadows of Christ throughout the Old Testament. You might not see the name Jesus everywhere in the Old Testament, but I guarantee you he's all over the place. There's types and shadows of Jesus everywhere. He's the fulfillment of all this stuff. Okay, the Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. So there are patterns and different things in the Old Testament we can use to help us in our relationship with the Lord today. Today I want to talk about the tabernacle of Moses. Everyone say tabernacle. Tabernacle. It's a great word, isn't it? Tabernacle. They used to call churches the tabernacle of... And it's like a, a whole sentence, you know. Um, We don't use the word tabernacle that often anymore. But um, what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle was a portable temple, so like a tent, built by the Israelites after they were freed uh, freed from slavery in Egypt. Okay, so 40 years in the desert, they had the tabernacle. They go into the promised land. Um, 369 years at Shiloh, they had the tabernacle and a a few other places. And eventually, um, David puts it in Jerusalem, in total, they, they had the tabernacle for 479 years before they built, before Solomon built the temple. Okay? This serves as a type and shadow of how we can come into God's presence um, daily. Now, I want to say, I'm not trying to place cumbersome obstacles in front of you to experiencing the Lord. We come boldly to the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. Okay? However... Many times, as you know, you go through life, there are the weights and the different things of life that tend to weigh us down and get our minds off of the Lord. Um, And this actually outlines a process for us to come before the Lord and let those things fall off so that we can come into his presence. Does this make sense? Okay. 
So my goal isn't to make some like rules or cumbersome obstacles, but it is to help you um, uh, come before the Lord. Okay, so personally, I found this pattern to be useful for me in times where I'm like, I just need to connect with the Lord. And I'll actually go through like the stations of the tabernacle coming into God's presence. Um, At the time of the tabernacle, only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. So they came into the, to the temple. There's the Holy of Holies as the most holy place. Um, and they only did that once a year and never without uh, blood, never without the sacrifice, uh, the blood of a sacrifice, okay? Today, you and I, the Bible says this in the, in the New Testament, you and I are kings and priests, okay? And we have access to the throne of God. We have access to the presence of God every day, 24-7. But there are times when the cares of this world and the things of this world um, weigh us down. So this can be a picture of how we can approach God in prayer. And these, uh, these uh, serve as symbols for us. Okay, so we're going to start. Go ahead and go to the next picture. Um, everyone say tabernacle. tabernacle. I say taber. You say taber. taber. Okay, good. Okay. You got it? All right, I'm going to close. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. There's the entrance, of course, is on the left, and, and then the priest progressed into the Holy of Holies. I want to just talk about each of these um, stations here. Number one, they came through the gate. Okay, what do we do at the gate? The gate is the place of thanksgiving. When you come to God in prayer, one of the best ways to connect with God is to start with thanksgiving. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessings in my life. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for my children. Thank the Lord. Many times what Christians do, and I'm telling you, this is probably hindering you from having an effective prayer life, is we come before the Lord and immediately we start in with a laundry list. God, I need this, I need this, I need this, and this is bothering me. Just chill out for a minute and thank the Lord. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. Listen, entitlement is a presence killer. If you come to church and you're entitled and upset, it's a presence killer. Gratitude is a gateway into God's presence. Having gratitude for what he has done and what he will do in our life uh, will usher us into the presence of God. Um, Okay, so the gate is the place of thanksgiving. The second place, the outer court. This is the place of praise. It says in Psalm uh, 100 verse 4, Moses actually said this, so he would have been talking about the tabernacle. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, okay? The outer court is a place of praise. There is a reason why most churches, they start with thanksgiving songs and praise songs, and they end with worship songs. It's, that's actually a biblical model. We don't, uh, you know, we don't end with the holly, 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 you know, the, the holy of holies. We don't usually, we don't start with that. Because you're not ready for that. You have to come and enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, and then we're ushered into the presence of God. Amen? Okay. In the outer court, there were two pieces of furniture. The first one is the brazen altar. Okay. This is a place of dying to self, denying self. They, the priest offered sacrifices, burnt, burnt offerings on this altar. But it serves as a symbol for us that this is the place we come before the Lord. We offer ourselves as that living sacrifice, that it, uh, which says in Romans 12, 1, it says that, that we're our living sacrifices, okay? So we enter his gates. God, thank you for thankfulness, praise, and we come before him. Lord, I come before you. I'm yours. 
God, I want to grow. Lead me. God, I'm giving up my way to follow you. Jesus, I'm before you, okay? This is a place of dying to self. Okay, very important in the Christian life. Okay, it says in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. Okay, the, the altar is a place we die to ourselves and sow the seed of self. Okay, uh, Jesus said, unless a seed... Um, unless a seed is sown, it remains only a single seed. But if it's sown into the ground, it becomes a harvest. This is what it's like with us. When we sow ourselves in that ground like a seed, um, there's a harvest of righteousness waiting for us. Okay, after a seed is sown, what is the next thing you need to do after a seed is sown? It needs water. Thank you. Okay, this brings us to the brazen laver. The brazen laver. This is where we are. The washing of the water through the word, through the word of God. This word washes you. When you come into God's presence in your prayer time, it is important to read the word of God. This washes our minds. This washes our hearts. It says in uh, um, Psalms chapter 24, uh, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Okay? So there's this idea of the word of God washing our minds, washing our hearts as we come before the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, he's giving instructions about marriage, but he's paralleling that with our relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is our heavenly bridegroom, right? And the church is the bride of Christ. And so Paul says this in Ephesians 5. 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Okay. As the bride of Christ, we're supposed to wash ourselves in the word of God. Amen. Okay. Um, Okay. Next place, the holy place. Now you're ready to come into the holy place. The holy place is the place of transformation. This is where God begins to transform us. We need to be transformed. There's three pieces of furniture in the holy place. To the right, there's the table of showbread. This represents the nourishment of the word of God. Okay? The table of showbread. The nourishment of the word of God. Now, someone might say, Pastor, I thought you said the Bible was washing us, and here it's nourishing us. That is true. Out in the outer court, it's washing you. When you come into the inner court... It's nourishing you. Why? Because to the left is the lampstand. And the lampstand is illuminating that room. And it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. When you read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit illuminates the words on the page and it, and it begins to satisfy your heart. We begin to become satisfied by the Word of God. There's a place where this washes us and then we come to a place where it begins to satisfy our hearts. This can be the most satisfying meal you'll ever have if you read this word with the Lord. <clears throat> okay, when the illumination of the Holy Spirit shines on the word, it comes alive in our hearts. It's the intersect of the Spirit of God and the Word of God where it is illuminated and comes alive in our hearts. It's very important to have the Holy Spirit when you read the word. Um, it's good, it's true, but we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Amen. Okay, the next piece of furniture in the holy place is the altar of incense. Now you're ready for prayer. This is the place of intercession. 
The order is very important here. If you first come before the Lord with your list, you will have done it before you go to the altar and die to self and before you've been washed in the word. What, what will happen? You'll offer uh, soulish, selfish prayers. You'll offer selfish and soulish prayers. But if you come before the Lord, wash yourself in his word, die to yourself, you're, now you're able to come in and offer prayers where he will anoint it. In the book of James, it says, um, you, you don't get the things you need from God. Number one, because you don't ask. So there's a key for people. Like, if you need something from God, are you asking? Okay. Um, part of what God wants to give us, he wants us to ask for. But then he goes on, he says, but you ask and you're not receiving because you're asking amiss. You're asking to consume it upon your own lusts, upon your own flesh. Okay. This is why it's important for us to be renewed in our thinking when we, when we come to God in prayer. Okay. Do you want to know the type of prayers that God answers? He answers the type of prayers that he prays through you. The type of prayers the Holy Spirit prays through you. That's the type of prayers he answers. Uh, in, the, in the scriptures, it says that God will give us the desires of our hearts. There is, the, the nature of our relationship is that he does want to give us the desires of our hearts. Um, in your marriage, in your, in your family, um, you, want to, you want to bless the people around. You want them to, I want to bless you. I know, I'm not into this thing that you're into, but I know that blesses you, so I'm going to give that to you, okay? He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. However, if our desires are way out in left field, he wouldn't be a good God by answering that prayer, would he? If our desires are so far from what being conformed to his image and so far from what he wants to do in us, he wouldn't be a good father by giving us things that would actually hurt us, okay? But as we're conformed to his will and renewed in our minds, now we know how to pray. We know how to pray according to his will. He, he answers the prayers that he prays through us, so the Holy Spirit prays through us. All right. And now you're ready for the Holy of Holies. This is the place of intimacy. This is the place of absolute closeness with the Lord. In the Holy of Holies, there was one piece of furniture, which was the Ark of the Covenant. And here you have a model of what was on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant. There were three things on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant. Number one, there was the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. Number two, there was some manna that they took from the wilderness, and they have it in a jar. And number three, um, Aaron's rod that had budded um, was also in there. Okay, we'll go through each of these real quick. Okay, the Ten Commandments, the law. When we are ushered into God's presence, the first thing he does is he takes laws written on pages, and he writes them on, on tablets of stone. He writes them on tablets of flesh. Okay, he takes his words and he writes them on our hearts. So we don't, are, do we, um, it says to love people in the Bible. Okay, I'm going to go love people. Okay, that's good. That's good if it says, yeah, I'm a, it says not to hate people. Okay, I'm not going to hate people. That's good, but how many know it's better when this becomes part of you and then you just live it. You just live it out of grace. Okay, he begins to write on, from tablets of stone. He transcribes that onto tablets of flesh. The second thing he does is there's the manna. This is a place where we are communing with Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the bread of heaven. Jesus is the bread of heaven. This is the place where we commune with the bread of heaven, that absolute nearness, absolute closeness. The third thing 
that was in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's staff. Um, Aaron's staff, remember in the, in the Bible, I, don't, I had it marked earlier. Let's see. Let's just try it. I think it's in Numbers. Leviticus, Numbers. No, nope, I'm not going to be able to find it. Okay. It says in the book of Numbers that Aaron's, Aaron's rod had actually budded. It was a, it was a, you can read it for yourself. There was actually a test that was happening, like which tribe is the tribe that God is appointing to be the priest. And Aaron was a Levite. So they put all these staff in the presence of the Lord. And they're like, the one that buds is the one that God has chosen. They come back the next day and Aaron's rod had budded. This stick had budded. It, had, it budded, it blossomed, had flowers on it, and it was growing almonds. Okay. This is a picture of the resurrected life. This is a picture of the resurrection life of Jesus in our lives. Okay. Again, this is a, the long way of saying the other side of the crucified life is the resurrected life. But this puts some more meat on the bone of steps to come into God's presence. Again, it's by the blood of Jesus. that this. So there's not cumbersome obstacles for us to come into his presence. Many times this model can serve us in prayer and as a way of drawing near to the Lord. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, it says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to pause right there real quick. Back in the, taber- the day of the tabernacle, if any random person just ran into the Holy of Holies without having gone through this purification process, they would have dropped dead instantly. Why? Because the holiness of God would have been there and, and their defilement, they would have dropped it instantly. Listen, we as Christians, we are purified by the blood of Jesus and now we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Okay, verse 20. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Amen. It is your right as a son or a daughter of the Lord to engage and interact with God's Holy Spirit and his presence. This is a place we're transformed. This is the place he renews our mind. This is the place where resurrected life begins to develop in our lives. How many want that? Awesome. Amen. Okay. I'm going to pray and, uh, and you're going to go do it. <laughs> right? Application. Um, yeah. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. These things serves, uh, served as an example for us, Lord, but the realities are found in Christ and what Jesus did for us. We thank you. You're such a good father. You're such a good father that you sent your son to this earth. Jesus paid the penalty on the cross for your sin, my sin, and the sins of the world. And I just want to say, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, maybe you've you've never trusted Christ for salvation, I wanted to say you can leave this place having begun a relationship with God, and he will do a miracle on the inside of you. So if that's you, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're here, and you've, you've followed Christ, but for whatever reason, for whatever the season that you're in, you've gone astray. And you need to come back 
and renew and rededicate your life to the Lord. If that is you, I also want to pray for you today. I want to give an opportunity for every person here who wants to come to the Lord and follow him. And so this is what I'm going to do. I don't need to bring you up front, but I do this morning want to know who I'm praying for. If you're here and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, renew and rededicate yourself to him, he's going to do an amazing work on the inside of you. How many would say, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing, not to come up here, but to just do one thing, and that is right where you're at. Just kind of stretch up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need to receive the Lord. I need to put my faith and trust in him. How many would say, yeah, I need to do that today. Yeah, thank you. Praise God. Thank you. How many more? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. I'll wait just a moment longer. How many here? You want to leave this place knowing that you've begun a relationship with the Lord or renew yourself, rededicate yourself to him. Okay, you can put your hands down. Uh, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask everyone here to pray this prayer after me. Those of you making this commitment to the Lord, mean this with all of your heart. It is not in this eloquent, magical words that I'm about to say. It's the cry of the heart that God sees. He sees your heart. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for living the perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you took my sins on the cross. Today. I place my faith and trust in you. Today, be my Lord. Be my God. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. What an honor and a privilege it is for us as pastors to lead people in relationship with the Lord. Those of you who made that decision to follow Christ, it is the most important decision a human being can ever make while they walk the face of the earth. You might have big decisions you've made. This is the most important one. Whether to say yes and bow your knee to Jesus or to walk away is the most important decision. I just want to say thank you for making that decision today. I do want to ask you after the service, um, why don't I have my, our prayer counselors or pr- uh, ministry team, I should say, ministry team, come forward um, and just fill the front here. Um, I am going to ask after we close the service, if you would, if, you've, if you prayed that prayer, why don't you come connect with one of these amazing uh, ministry people and they will be honored to pray with you. We just want to um, pray with you and encourage you and help you in this relationship that you just begun today. Also, if you're going through anything in your life and you want people to pray with you today, we have amazing people. And maybe we could get some of the pastors to come forward as well. Um, That way we have ample help. Um, If you need prayer for anything at all today, anything going on in your life, we would be honored to stand with you and pray with you and believe with you. And so please come up after the service.